than usual as well. If you listen to this later on, I'm actually wearing a shirt. Uh, not only am I wearing shirts, I'd stand up shirts, a shirt. I'd stand up and show you, but it's pants as well. So that's, um, that's unusual, particularly in a holiday destination. Uh, we have a wedding, so we're going off to a wedding. I think I've got about half an hour to do this video, and it's about the only time I've got to do this before we get into the weekend, and then it ends up like the last one with Scott Helmer. It's just like super, super late. So, anyway, I'll talk more about that, talk about more of uh, Spain. So There's me on the other video there. I think I've got about half an hour. That's me just a little bit late. The reason why you're hearing this in the background is I've got this iPad held here to try and see the comments because they're just sucky to see on the iPhone while you're going live. Now, let's, uh, let's do the formal bit. So I had no other content, like formally, as formal as I am on those things, <laughs> formally planned uh, for today. I do want to talk about the Dimix data breach that is hot off the press news. And then I just thought I'd flick back through the, the Twitter, Twitter, X <laughs> timeline until, uh, until I run out of time and I've got to go. Starting with the most important thing, the sponsor. Sponsor this week is the same sponsor as last week. It is Fastmail. Now, Scott and I spoke a little bit about Fastmail last week in terms of masked emails and how your email address is sort of like the primary key to your digital life. It's buzzy term, but I think it works. Check out Master Email. Built with one password, one click gets your unique email address for every online sign-up. Try it now. <coughs> now, Scott and I were talking about that last week. Why do they have water in cartons here? <laughs> what is this? Be aqua. I think it's water. It looks like milk. Mm. Looks like milk from the outside. Water on the inside. Scott and I were talking about this last week. Insofar as people having unique email addresses per account uh, is something many of us do. He and I do the same thing. But very often we're doing it with either sub-addressing. Uh, to be like John plus Netflix at gmail.com and then John plus Dropbox at gmail.com. Uh, and then all they all they all go to the same uh, email address as you sub uh, sub address, but of course if you get spam to John plus Netflix at gmail.com, you can see that it was because of Netflix. Now that's good doing catch all domains. Good, same thing. You can see where the spam comes from. What the the masked email approach does that does go beyond those two options is you don't get any association between the Netflix account that John has and the Dropbox account that John has. So you're getting like randomized aliases, which does get you away from that primary key to your digital life sort of scenario, even if someone, hacker dude, is, uh, is sophisticated enough to start removing the plus and the bits after that. So, fast mail, master email addresses, check it out. Handy, handy stuff. Big thanks to those for being back here for the second week in a row whilst I'm on the road. Comments, who's here? Cam, Cam Flyer, CH in Switzerland. Love Switzerland, it's beautiful. We were just in, and I posted photos of this on, I'm gonna keep calling it Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter just before we came over. We're in the UK and I feel like we got the best, just as someone here from Oxford pops up, the best weather that I've probably ever seen in the UK. Now Charlotte had a couple of years in the UK, I've had a year in the UK. This was pretty unprecedented, particularly first week of September. And in the, in the weirdest of weirdest things, we end up like sitting around the pool in the 31 degree weather at a, at a location called Beaverbrook, just near Gatwick, two days ago. Like just sitting by the pool, drinking beer in 31 degree weather, like 
like we're at home. <laughs> so I think we got the, uh, the absolute peak of the UK. It's funny, we're kind of Spain's a bit cooler, 26 degrees Celsius here in, in Spain at the moment. We've been out and done a, a nice, uh, nice 5k walk this morning up to the castle, seen some things, which is good. We are off to Amsterdam in a couple of days' time as well. We'll talk more about that probably in next week's video. A combination of business and pleasure when we're over there. Uh, who else is here? Brendan Webb's there. G'day, Brendan. John Byrne. Greetings from England. Thanks for bringing the Aussie heat with you. There you go. Well, they're all desperate for air conditioning. That is the problem, isn't it? In some of those places in the world that are used to keeping all the heat in, it gets hot and they're like, well, what do we do with all the heat? <laughs> because we can't get it out now. So the most first world of problems, isn't it? Okay, let's talk about data breaches. And the main one that's happened this week is, is DIMIX. Uh, now, I think DIMIX is interesting for multiple reasons. Now, first of all, if you're not from Australia, I don't think there are DIMIX stores other places. Tell me if I'm wrong. DIMIX is a, is a bookseller. Uh, they actually have real stores. Um, I don't think they have a lot of them. I know there's a, there's a big one in Sydney that particularly when the kids were younger, we used to take them in there because they can actually pick up and hold books. They've certainly got an online presence. They're a very well-known brand in Australia. Now the chronology, I'll even read you the email, read you some of the email. The chronology of how this went down is during the week, someone popped up and said, look, I've got, uh, got some data from Dimix. Now I get these multiple times every day, not Dimix, multiple times every day, but someone talking about Dimix every, I'm talking as I'm typing my search. Someone talking about data breaches every single day, many times a day. So it's a little bit like when one of these pops up, I'm always kind of like, ah, okay, well, we'll see. Will it actually be of substance? Now this is someone, someone who popped up, uh, and obviously I'm not going to name names or implicate anyone because certainly this, this bloke here hasn't done anything wrong either. Someone who is, let's say, a cybersec professional, uh, certainly meets the definition of what we consider a white hat person. Uh, and if I go back through the timeline here, I need to do this in days ago since I'm on the other side of the world. Four days ago, popped up and said, look, I've come across a telegram chat from the 3rd of September with a dump of dimmicks.com.au members. I vaguely recall a breach for Dimix or reading early last year, but cannot find any details online. Unsure if this is new or old. Newest account creation date seems to be 20 June 2023. And he sent me a redacted screen cap here and then asked about the best way to get the data over to me. Now, I did what this person here did, which is go to Google and search for Dimix data breach. That's the first thing I do anytime someone sends me data that has allegedly been breached out of somewhere. Now, I come up empty, same as he did, and that left me again in this quandary where it's like, okay, I've got data, it looks legit. Now, there were no passwords, I couldn't visibly tie it directly back to the website, and I just want to say visibly, like glancing at the data. There was a lot of references to the words Dimix in there. There were a couple of other signals I won't go into which made me think it was probably Dimix. So, got to do disclosure, which is a soul-sapping experience most times. And you've almost certainly seen me tweeting about this and talking about it before. Where it's like, okay, I'll go to the Contact Us page. I won't even bother going to the security.txt page because there won't be one. I'll try sending emails. I'll try sending tweets. And very often we end up with some of those breaches I've had recently. 
the uh, one of those cyber player game ones. I forget the name I was talking about last week. Uh, Pampling with another one, same sort of thing. It was just painful. I'm also conscious Dimix is an Aussie brand. It's not that I want to give Aussie brands favouritism, but Australia has had a run of it <laughs> lately in the last year, most notably because of Optus and then Medibank and then Latitude Financial as well. And that has given it massive, massive presence in the media and government. And there is a huge spotlight on Aussie organisations, particularly when they're well-known brands that are large organisations. I don't know what sort of revenue Dimix has, but it is a I would imagine that it is a lot of millions of dollars a year, and that's the sort of brand, a lot of tens of millions of dollars a year, I would imagine, and that's the sort of brand we're talking about. So I thought, let's do the LinkedIn thing. So I went to LinkedIn, and I found my closest contact there. So I had someone that was a secondary contact, uh, not going to name them or their title, but they were obviously in a position where they would, uh, they'd be a good person to start with. Now, after I contacted this person, I got a really, really fast response. Uh, and it was exactly the sort of response that I'd want. I, I don't sort of lead with, uh, do you know who I am and what do I do? So I reckon you'll figure this out. Because I'm coming from my LinkedIn profile, they can see the stuff there, they have Google. So if they're worried about it being a shakedown or something, they can, they can work that out. Uh, long story short, I've been traveling and bouncing between airports and locations. I was able to point them towards the Telegram channels that were sharing the data. Uh, there's also a clear web website sharing the data. I emphasize that point for reasons I'll come back to. Managed to point them to the data and obviously they, they managed to uh, find it and have sufficient confidence that it was legitimate that when I got up this morning, I had to, in fact, it was kind of funny, the chronology, I had two emails. One email was from someone forwarding me the Dimmick's data breach notification they just received. Sometime later than that, it was Dimmick saying, you know, thank you, we've now let everyone know. So I just think it's, it, it is interesting how, maybe it's, it's reflective of how much support there is out there for Have I Been Pwned that someone is able to pop up so quickly and go, yeah, <laughs> here's the notification. So first of all, uh, I, I guess observations on this, like massive kudos to them for, in the space of less than 24 hours, thinking that everything is fine, through to actually having emailed everyone and gone, everything's not fine. Names, email addresses, phone numbers, and for reasons that I still don't understand why you need for a bookstore, dates of birth and genders. Now, if you're saying you need dates of birth so that you know what sort of books to target at them, would it make that much difference if you were born on the 1st of March, 1965, versus the 1st of September? 19, so like you're not going to get different recommendations. Could have easily just stored the year of birth, could have stored the age group, five-year brackets, at time of sign-up. And what we're going to get through to here as I delve more into this is that there were lots of opportunities to minimise the amount of data that was collected. As it stands now, 1.3 million records of data. I think I've found 830,000 unique email addresses because there were a bunch of lines that didn't have email addresses on them but had phone numbers, home address, assumedly home address, most people are probably sending books to their own home, I would imagine. Uh, and of course the DOBs and the genders. They're, I'm not entirely sure why you need gender for, um, for books. I, uh, I can speculate. Dangerous time to be speculating about this sort of thing. But also, 
you have a very finite set of options for gender, even in modern day times. So that's not really the thing that we're worried about in terms of it, the risk of using static knowledge-based authentication to uh, help impersonate someone. Dates of birth, we're worried about. So all that data's gone in, they've done the disclosure very quickly, which is great. But, and I put this in the tweet thread, what worries me just as a, as a trend and as a pattern, and I'm just trying to find the, uh, my thread here. What worries me is the data retention. Now, it worries me because, and, and I'll put a little screenshot here. I'll just read the tweet. I said, I also suspect we're about to see a repeat of the question so many people raised after Optus and Medibank. Why do they still have my data? About a quarter of the rows are flagged as inactive with dates as far back as 2005, yet still sit there with address, email, phone, etc. Now to be clear, and then I just had a little screen cap of the column headings and a bunch of say inactive and then the member created date. So to be clear, the member created date appears to be when the member was created. It's not necessarily when they were deactivated. So it may be that these accounts have been active for a a day, it may be that they've been inactive for 10 years. One would speculate that if 25% of the subscriber base of records that go back 18 years, 25% of those are inactive, a significant portion of them have been inactive enough, long enough, that they shouldn't have been there. Now, someone actually made this point in response to the tweet. They said, you know, this date doesn't necessarily imply when they were deactivated, it just implies when they were created. <clears throat> and I said, okay, let's see if he's answered actually. I said, okay, how long after an account is deactivated should it be removed? Is it 10 years? Is it one year? Is it one day? And what I find quite fascinating with this is there is clearly a process to go and change the state of the record by flagging it as inactive. So could that process not have just deleted the record altogether? or nulled out all of the PII. I wonder what the response was. You come back. Uh -huh. Someone else here was talking about GDPR. This says, I believe this is something that GDPR forbids. <laughs> is this correct? <laughs> um, yes, there is another part of the world that has privacy regulations that are very strict around data retention and right to erasure. We also have regulations in Australia around this thing. In fact, I was, I was talking to my mum this morning and I was explaining this and she was asking, she said, look, what's the legal period in which the data uh, has to be deleted after, after someone unsubscribing? And I went, I don't actually, I don't actually know. We, we have a reasonable expectation as, uh, I guess, as society and as people in this industry about how long this stuff should be stored for. I'm going to get answers though. I'm, I mean, lawyery stuff, isn't the most exciting thing a lot of the time, but I do have some good privacy lawyer contacts that I'm going to go out, I'm going to get the answers, I'm going to put it in a blog post. So next time, because I do get this question from the press a little bit, and I usually go, oh, I would need to defer to a legal expert on that. I'd like to actually have the answer. Um, this person here says, Dimmicks for sure will have to rethink their retention policies. Uh, I wonder if anyone did actually reply. No, so I, I didn't actually get a reply from the person who I was like, okay, well, how long should you retain that data for? The, the, the sentiment, and in fact, 
very often the wording that you will see in privacy legislation is uh, around not retaining for a period beyond its useful purpose or beyond which it is required in order to fulfil the purpose for which it was provided. So I would imagine that for Dimmicks, if the data was provided to buy a book and then they said, I no longer want you to have the data, so long as the book has been delivered and perhaps you're outside any sort of reasonable returns period or something like that, let's call it a month, uh, then they shouldn't have the data. So, what I think is fascinating, and I was thinking about this just then as I was having a shower, <laughs> so I seen to, because I don't have a screen in front of me when I'm having a shower, that's when a lot of stuff goes over my head. I was thinking, if you were, if, I'll put it this way, if it was me wanting to give them a grilling, I would be speaking to the Dimmicks board and saying, did you guys all see Optus, Medibank, Latitude, and did you also, and you must have, because first of all, you're on a board, you're important people, a bunch of you are tech people, you must have seen all of the discussion around why did these companies still have my data so long after it was obtained. What did you guys do after you saw that? Because you've had about a year. It was a year ago for Optus. I remember, because it was right near my wedding. <laughs> Happy wedding anniversary soon. Uh, yeah, what did you do after that? Clearly you didn't remove the data, assuming that this was obtained in June this year. And I think that I think that a grilling is due on this one. It, it, it really is. I, I cannot understand why after seeing all of that, organisations still have this data. Now, that's not to say this wouldn't have still been a serious incident. It would have been. But it looks to me like straight off the bat, it could have been 25% less serious in terms of volume of records. And then I would also argue with the dates of birth thing, it could have been, I don't know, let's call it another 10% less serious by not having that column. That was just not data that was required. So that's one of the interesting things. The other interesting thing, this is in the ABC, our ABC, I know there are other ABCs in other places, uh, is in the ABC, there's a news article here about it, which I've linked to in the breach, always handy to have a news article. And there are a couple of comments on here about the dark web. <laughs> now, I vehemently dislike this term for multiple reasons. One of the reasons is it makes it sound scarier than what it is. The other reason is, is that by definition, it is usually not on the dark web. It is on the clear web. Let me find the actual comments here. If I look for dark, all the words that have been used. Well, the heading right here. Dimmicks warns customers of data reach after account information leaked on dark web. Uh, now, how, I, I did wonder, was this the ABC using that term or was this Dimmicks? Book retailer Dimmicks has warned his customers that some of their information may have been compromised and leaked onto the dark web after a cybersecurity breach earlier this week. So this is a quoted comment. While our investigation is ongoing and at the early stages, our cybersecurity experts have found evidence of discussions regarding our customer records being available on the dark web. It's another dark down here. Given that passwords might be on the dark web, customers well, Dimmicks rather said customers should change their passwords for their online accounts, including their Dimmicks accounts and social media accounts, and monitor their bank accounts. They're... Boy, that's a lot to unravel, isn't it? So first of all, there were no passwords in the data that I saw. Dimmicks, of course, would have a much better idea than me where that data set actually came from, but it's possible that came from a location that did have passwords and they're just not included in the corpus that's circulating. I think the thing here around going and changing 
passwords for all their other online accounts. I mean, we know what's being implied here, right? It's like, you guys all keep reusing your passwords. So because there's a Dimmix thing and because maybe your password's got leaked, now you've got to go to everywhere else, go and get a password manager. <laughs> you know, like we, we know the answer to that already. But the dark web thing frustrated me a bit because, and look, it probably frustrates me in the same way as companies who talk about encrypted passwords and maybe you should change your password because they're not actually encrypted, they're hashed and maybe they could be cracked, but they just don't say that entire last bit. It frustrates me because it, it has an implication of making it seem less accessible than what it is. It's on a public hacking forum. It starts with HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash. <laughs> like it's there in your browser, your normal one. It runs general forum software. It's in there amongst hundreds of other incidents where the data is being spread around. Some of it then links through to telegram channels and other things like that. I guess we could classify that as a dark web tour website or not, but you get the idea. I just, I just don't have a good feeling about that term. All right, being conscious of time, looking at some of the comments on here. Uh, here, Brendan said, anyone have a security contact for? So fortunately, I didn't have to go to Twitter and ask. Uh, that that would have gotten a lot of attention. But it, to make to make it into a bit of a shit sandwich, ever heard that term? It's like the good bits either side and all the shit in the middle. <laughs> to, to finish it off with a good bit, they did do a very good job of that disclosure in terms of the expeditiousness, and I don't think the disclosure message was too bad either. Dark web bit aside. So, yeah, in, in the realm of like most really terrible disclosures through to the really good stuff, there's some up here, right? Like they've done a good job of that. They will have to explain that data retention at some point though. Brendan says, on the Optus breach, kind of chilling to think about the fact that we're coming from the one year anniversary of that breach. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and the main reason I, I remember that date so clearly is it was after we went on our honeymoon, which was a few days after our wedding, uh, 17th September. <laughs> so, so we're coming. Yep. Yeah, that'd be next week. <laughs> so we're coming up on that. Uh, and we're over in Bali and I'm just doing all of these interviews on, on Optus. So I will always remember the time frame of the Optus data breach, late September is when all the press hit. Hoopy says, uh, some stores send discount coupons on the customer's birthday. Uh, yes, yes they do. I would argue that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, or I, Maybe what we need is like proper informed consent. Uh, Dear customer, would you like to receive a discount coupon on your birthday? Please be aware that if we have a data breach in the future, the piece of information that you use to authenticate to your bank may be leaked to the random cybers. Informed consent. So good point, uh, but of course, even if someone had unsubscribed and said they no longer want to be active, then nothing should be in there. Brennan says, two examples in the above, JB Hi-Fi and EB Games. Now I assume that's talking about the birth date gift thing. So, yep, yep, good point. Uh, I would argue unnecessary risk. I, I th in fact, I would also argue, I think a better way of doing it, if you want to do that, if you're like me, you have a birthday only once a year. Uh, Send it to them on the anniversary of their sign-up. Hey, you've signed up on the 1st of July, 2023. As a recognition for a loyal customer, we would like to send you a gift certificate on the 1st of July, 2024, and every year thereafter whilst you remain active. And that is the incentive to remain active. You don't need the birthday. Yeah, until we get to the point where we don't use birthdays for this kind of stuff, you don't need the birthday. Okay, folks, on that note, I want to get going. I've got to go and uh, get a jacket on. <laughs> I'll post some photos later and go and do this wedding stuff. I will be, I think I'll be in Amsterdam next week when I do this. 
It's either there or Oslo. I've got to check my schedule. I'll still be in Europe. So I'll, uh, I'll come to you from somewhere else, not too far from here, other side of the world for home. Thanks for joining on this, uh, this casual Dimmick Central weekly update. Cheers, folks.